0: Don't you
1: guys want to get inside each other?
0: That's what she said.
1: I
2: won't that joke ever go away.
3: That's what she said. Episode 93,
4: Secretary's Day. Wow, that is really hard. You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling, so
5: That's what she said. <laughs> Suicide doors on my
4: Fifty seven, roll around town
0: like a hero. I got you on my mind, just like all the time. A peddle
5: town, nowhere to go.
3: I just and welcome to episode ninety three of that She Said, a podcast about the Emmy Award winning NBC show. The Office. As always, I'm your Human Resources Coordinator, Matt Summer, and this week you're going to be taking an in-depth and spoiler-filled look at the 22nd episode of Season 6, entitled Secretary's Day, which originally aired Thursday, April 26, 2010. I'll have what she's having. When Michael takes Aaron, aka The Rube, out for a celebratory Secretary's Day lunch, he inadvertently lets Andy Jilla out of the bag, much to Aaron's disgust. Meanwhile, the rest of the office spends the day pointing out Kevin's resemblance to a certain blue pastry-eating Muppet. And it's up to Saber's Gabe to lay down the law. Or not. Maybe they don't respect him enough. Maybe they have too much respect for him. Or maybe they still just think he's the IT guy. Either way, someone's going home without pay. Or not. Lots to discuss, lots to talk about. Let's head on over to the water cooler.
4: It's a real shame, because studies have shown that more information gets passed through water-cooler gossip than through official memos, which puts me at a disadvantage, because I bring my own water to work. Why'd you do this? I didn't do it. Oh, the water-cooler was brought over here for maintenance. So what do you guys hear? What's a scuttlebutt.
3: And joining me at the water-cooler this week for a belated Secretary's Day, our secretary, or our assistant here, I should say, maybe be a little more politically correct. Kevin Crossman. Kevin, how you doing?
0: Well, Matt, I'm doing great. And uh, let me just speak for all that That's What She Said listeners and telling you, I do hope that you find what you're looking for.
3: <laughs> <sighs> well, thank you, Kevin. Thank you. Uh, I hope I do someday. And of course, again, we are continuing to try to catch up as we go along. We are here a few weeks behind again but, uh, you know, it's just kind of the way the cookie is crumbling. No pun intended uh-huh. there. Yeah, it's still in the middle of a bunch of problems with, with uh, this house I'm trying to close on. Uh, it seems like something new pops up every day to annoy me
0: quite greatly. So. And speaking of things that annoy you, let's talk about Secretary's Day.
3: <laughs> well, whatever you mean, Kevin. This is my favorite episode of the season. Top five of all time. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, that's, a, that's the funny thing, is that every week we hear from people, best of all time, best of all time, best of all time, even if it's a mediocre episode. I think this, this is the illustration of how not so great this episode was, was that this, I think, was the first episode in history where no one said, best of all time.
3: <laughs> I almost can't believe that to be
0: true. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, well, good Lord. believe it. Well, the, here's the thing about Secretary's Day. It is written, of course, by Mindy Kaling who is so integral to the show and has been there from the beginning and has had uh, a lot of, you know, what people consider to be classic episodes that she has written. For me personally, I feel like that as a writer, she is the one that really goes kind of further and further beyond sort of the realistic sort of humor um, she seems to push the envelope a little bit farther with more and more kind of ridiculous situations, and I think that that might be the case here for this one, where maybe it was just a little, a little too much, uh, a, a little too much craziness with Aaron. Uh, Mindy Kaling actually really seems to have a hatred for the Aaron character. I don't know what it is; she just loves to make her suffer, uh, whether it's in subtle sexuality. Uh, you know, in, in that situation, or whether it's in any other case where she is just subservient to Kelly uh, and here she is a certified wacko, nut job. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I mean, what did you think about the way that Aaron was portrayed in this episode?
0: Well, you know, I've always said that I kind of liked the Aaron character because she was a little strange, but. This time they went a little too far with being a little strange and went too a lot strange. <laughs> I, I would say, though, that the, the things I do like about Aaron being a little bit strange did pay off at big time with the scene there with Pam. The, it seemed like it was going to be very, very touching, a continuation of Pam trying to help Aaron along with the romance with Andy and this very touching scene. It's okay and everything. And then Aaron gives the, I hope you find what you're looking for, and it just <laughs> cracked me up. So... As much as I didn't think this was the greatest episode of The Office, it made me laugh very, very hard. So I uh, can't be all bad in that respect. At least for two minutes.
3: You yeah. know what? I agree. I agree with you that that scene was probably the best scene from the show. And the thing about it that I think worked is that Aaron there was sort of the typical dim bulb, naive character that we've known and seen before. And I think that really works well with her that we kind of understand that, okay, she's just a little slow on the uptake. That is a, just a totally different universe from the psychologically damaged. (laughs) My hair is my room. um, Uh Constantly referencing the foster home suddenly in this episode, Uh, just her insane conversational topics with Michael uh, you know what decade would you want to be a teenager
0: in uh how many pillows do you sleep with all that I kind of keep up with a t- with a taco full taco bell Yeah I mean that, was, that that was a little broad for me Exactly
3: and it's a little too over the top with her being crazy You know we talked last week about how I just sort of don't really care where the relationship between she and Andy goes um here it seems like we have a breakup Again, Kevin, we're back to the will they or won't they uh, yeah. here with the relationship. Are you are you pining for them to get back together?
0: In deference to my friend Andy Bernard, maybe I'm not so much anymore. But <laughs> The one thing I did like in that respect was that we've often talked about in these episodes how Michael comes to the rescue. And he did kind of in this episode here with Aaron at the end a little bit. And that did put a little nice smile at the end. So we will see. Like I said, I think I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with the Aaron character. A little bit strange, a little bit naive, good, completely wacko, psychologically damaged, not so good. <laughs> so
3: you know, and that's interesting. You you mentioned Michael because I think Michael played a very sort of different role in this episode. He really was sort of the straight man almost a lot of the time. He really was sort yes. of. He was there, and he was kind of integral to the plot, but he really wasn't the focus of any of the shenanigans that were going on. I mean, it,
0: it, 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 uh, do you think? Do you think there's any behind the scenes reason for the Michael Scott character to be the straight man in this episode? <laughs> do you think well, of any?
3: Well, yes, as you know, we talked about before. This is Steve Carell's directorial debut, uh, as you know, behind the camera here with this episode. So maybe that hmm. uh maybe that was the reason but I, honestly though i still feel that michael was in almost every scene i mean he it's not like he was gone he was in the sh- he was in every shot he had lines uh throughout even though he maybe wasn't the principal player in uh, that plot no. line he was very in it i mean it's not like he was gone off to corporate or something for the week
0: but if you look at the episodes that are sandwiching this one two very broad, Michael-centric episodes where he's running around going crazy, the, that's not this episode. Even though he's around, he kind of comes in at the end and saves the day for Oscar and uh, Kevin there, even at the end on, on that plot line as well, right. kind of saves the day for Kevin. So, but you're right, he's kind of the straight guy, a quick take here and there, he's not the focus, and he's certainly not going crazy. Uh, like he was
3: um, <laughs> date Mike with, and, yeah, and maybe, uh, and maybe
0: some future episodes. So
3: Well, you know, and again, to still go back to, to the way Michael was handled, um, I, I, I thought it was a little weird, actually, the way that he was handled. It was kind of interesting. On the one hand, it was sort of interesting to see him treat Aaron sort of like how other people treat him. It was sort of a reversal there where he's always the one that everyone sort of doesn't want to go out with, the person that they don't want to hang with. And and now here it's kind of reversed with uh, with he and Aaron and that was kind of interesting it was a new dynamic uh, and some funny lines in there you know him calling her a rube and uh, mm-hmm. and you know she's kind of crazy and a few things like that but on the other hand it was also kind of strange because it was like oh all of a sudden Michael doesn't like Aaron um, that was sort of like the whole point of Scott's tots last season right. with the two of them sort of bonding. And it seemed by the end of that episode that they really had a strong bond. And then this season, we saw in Manager and Salesman, where where Michael and Jim switched places, how he and Aaron just had all this kind of stuff going back and forth, the little rituals and the routines and the spin you around in the chair and the ants on the log and all that right. kind of stuff. And, and it seemed kind of like they were really simpatico with each other, you know. So it was a little strange to uh, to to see that all of a sudden that uh he didn't really like her, didn't really want to talk to her uh that much because you imagine I at least I imagined in previous episodes that they'd spent actually a lot of time together during the day. Uh so
0: exactly. Yeah, I think that that is a little weird and um I guess the other thing that was a little disconcerting and sort of out of character so to speak was the boorish behavior of our favorite couple in the office, Jim and Pam this episode. <laughs> Very much uh, beating up on uh, their supposed friend Kevin and really laying on pretty thick with the whole Cookie Monster thing and pretty mean, I have to say. And, you know, there's been a lot of Jim and Pam haters out there that I've been trying to kind of, no, no, these are, this isn't what you're, you know, supposed to be thinking that these characters are doing. But, you know, i got to say, there's no defense this week. They were riding the asshole train and uh, <laughs> they were in the front. The yeah, and,
3: and shoveling the coal in the engine. I agree. Uh, that's... Again, another weird thing about this episode, it it seemed like there was four different plot lines crammed together, all with the same characters. We had Jim and Pam, kind of the return of Pam to the office, and we had kind of the cute little stuff with the breast pump thing, a little ridiculous, the scene with Dwight, Mm -hmm. and the, you know, let me pump you. That was kind of funny, and and they were then very sympathetic As you said before, you know, that's, oh, my God, I can't believe I have to put up with these people. So very sympathetic. And then a minute later, they're sitting there just mercilessly mocking Kevin when he's like, literally, if you look at the scene, they're in the break uh, the conference room. He's standing three feet away from them while they're going off on him. And Jim is doing his thing, you know, like. Uh, Mike and I have a raise so I can go to Mrs. Field. I mean, he's right there. He's two feet away, three feet away. It felt very, very mean. I agree. Very mean-spirited, especially since Kevin made it very clear at the beginning that it was hurting his feelings, you know, that he yeah. wanted them to stop. And it, I can understand it. If he wasn't in the room, if he was gone out somewhere else, at least I could buy that, that they would do that. Because, okay, Jim and Pam, you know, they sort of, They'll go behind somebody's back to make a joke. Right. As we saw with Jim, Jim, you remember when Jim was doing his Stanley impersonation
0: and how embarrassed
3: he felt when Stanley confronted him? Oh, here he's just right up in front, right up in Kevin's face. Uh,
0: Kevin's not as much of a threat as Stanley is. Yeah, and the funny thing was that the Oscar material here with the video didn't seem so mean-spirited quite in the beginning. It was and it was almost it was funny you, you see it in cold open you think well that's the cold open right but it, it it actually continued through the whole plot including the the tag at the end so that was kind of an interesting aspect to this episode but it seemed <laughs> kind of you know okay making a little bit of a fun of the guy but then that's it but then it got meaner and meaner as it went along although right. I have to say the the there was a pretty good payoff there with the gabe situation with Kevin you know huge giant redemption. Uh, getting back and doing his own impersonation. So in that respect, it, you know, I, I did like this the Cookie Monster plotline quite a bit better than the Aaron plotline.
3: Well, I wasn't a fan of either, and I'll tell you really why the Cookie Monster plot didn't work. Aside from Jim and Pam being kind of dicks, the main failing of that plotline, and the thing that Mindy Kaling as a writer fails to do, is to give us a villain, really. Gabe is supposed to be the villain, And I guess we're supposed to get behind the rest of the office in in mocking him and not agreeing with him. But Gabe is not a villain. He's, He's a nice guy in this episode. He's trying his best to, you know, Kevin comes to him and he tries to get people to stop. And he's, yes, okay, he's ineffective. And he sort of played the Michael role here. He oversteps his bounds.
0: Um, With Dwight, right? To do something
3: well, even with Jim and Pam, because as it turns out, of course, he doesn't have the authority to really do anything to them. But he really, honestly, is trying to do something. Uh, And and maybe I guess you can argue. Well, he has that speech about how you know he's not getting respect, so he's going to try to show that he deserves respect. Okay, maybe maybe he's taking this on, and and maybe he's deserving of this. But that's always been my axiom, man, with this thing with pranking on the show the guy that gets pranked must deserve it. And I don't think the the, the failing of that whole plotline is that to me, Gabe never deserved what he got. And I kept thinking that, wow, they're just being really mean to this guy. I was feeling sorry for him more than anything. And that is totally not what you want to do uh, when you're trying to get the audience on the side of the pranksters.
0: Right. Well, you know, thinking about this, in terms of you know, feeling sorry for Gabe, I just realized, where does Gabe sit in this office? You have Michael in an office, and you have now Daryl in an office, and this guy's supposed to be Michael's boss or something, or at least, <laughs> at least his peer, right? In cor- corporate peer or something. And he, where is he, in the back with Toby or something? In the uh, annex, perhaps, I,
3: yeah. I, I don't, don't even know where he sits. He was but, in Daryl's yeah. office, as we know, and he got kicked out of there. So where, where he is, I'm not sure. And that's the thing, what position does he have? Uh, If we remember from the beginning of his introduction, it was something about like new acquisition
0: liaison or something,
3: so I don't think he actually has a whole lot of power. I think maybe he's just there to sort of ease the transition for the old employees to the Sabre way, Uh, Mm -hmm. so I don't know. Obviously, he has no authority to suspend anyone, and he has no authority to even reprimand anyone. (laughs) According to his call to the corporate office, so I don't know he obviously has not much authority uh at all, so it's but that to me is just to go back to that I don't want to beat a dead horse, but that's really why this episode failed to me is that for us to buy into that stuff uh we need to have him be the bad guy, and especially at the end when Jim and Pam just they know that he can't do anything, and then they just play it. And yeah, okay, you could say, well, he's just being a jerk, and he he is trying to cover his ass. Uh, and if he would have been honest, then maybe they wouldn't have done that. But I don't know. I just felt I felt more bad for him than I did behind any of the others.
0: Right. Well, he's almost sort of like a cartoon at this point. It might it's ironic that I am <laughs> harking back and missing the days where that realistic boss character named Charles Miner was on the case. I mean, when he seems like the, you know, actually believable character, it's pretty bad.
3: Yeah, that's true. Speaking of unbelievable characters, and again, Kevin, I know we talk about this every week, but I I just have to say this. uh, Really, on, on the Massengill scale of douchiness, Kevin, I think Ryan has achieved levels heretofore unseen by a member of the human race his super douchey untied bow tie look and his even super douchier turn in one of the deleted scenes. I, I just don't even know what to say about this guy.
0: Well, and he was beating Kelly up for her accent, saying it was derivative or whatever. I mean, yeah, he's being real <laughs> douchey. He
3: is uh, he is just the character, I don't know, in, in desperate need of some kind of substance. He's crazy... She stupid enough, I don't you know, I I accept that she would make fun of Kevin, um uh, so that doesn't bother me. Otherwise, I don't know. I have to say that you know, like you said, there are a few good lines, there are a few good pieces in there. Um I've it's just so schizophrenic, especially the way that Jim and Pam are. The returning newlyweds, nice. Interesting character, good stuff. The total jerks, not so much. Um uh, I think Dwight was pretty funny in this episode. He had some good lines. I think the uh you know, pumping the, the little hand sanitizer and <laughs> rubbing his hands together. It was a little gross, but I could buy that. and It was kind of a funny yep. little moment there. Meredith, uh, more crazy Meredith nude behavior. Uh, yeah. I could do without. I did sort of, I don't know. I mean, I, Michael, as you said, he was the nice guy. He was kind of the savior of both plot lines. So he was hovering around the background, but uh, still emerged as sort of the nicest guy in the office to go back a little bit before we move on to go back a little bit to the game plot line you know i guess at the end he instead of sticking to his principles he did turn on kevin to try to get a cheap laugh or try to get the crowd on his side he and
6: sure then, did.
3: and then he got his come up and so i guess in that uh-huh. respect okay he he did deserve what he got i suppose at the end still uh not not one of my favorites well we already said this is written by Mindy Kaling, who has written, uh, geez, 20 episodes now, uh, including Secretary's Day, Manager and Salesman, Secret Santa, Niagara and Golden Ticket, and directed by our buddy, Steve Carell, behind the camera for the first time. Again, you know, those actors, they get up there and they start thinking about their next step in their career, so... Who knows? Maybe we'll see more of that.
0: (laughs) has written a couple episodes, including Casino Night, which is one of the best. He, as an actor, he's, I think, been pretty creative.
3: All right, let's go ahead and get into our plot lines then. Kevin, you gave me a lot of crap for this, but um, I don't really, you know, to me, this is still a Michael-focused plot line. I know that Aaron and Andy obviously are, are the main players, but Michael still is in every scene and in the background, and eh. It's a Michael Plotline to me.
0: So says the Michael fan. Okay.
3: <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into it. What is going on here? Well, it's yet one more holiday. It's, uh, I can't believe it's taken
4: us six seasons to get here. It's Secretary's Day. And it is Aaron's and my three-week anniversary. So, perfect storm for a romantic gesture. <laughs> Want to make sure the whole office remembers it's Secretary's Day. I sent an email blast, a text blast, a good old-fashioned talk blast, I sent a snail mail blast a week ago and a stern reminder via fax at 7 o'clock this morning, so people better step up and appreciate the crap out of Aaron. Oh, thank you. I do. If it wasn't for secretaries, I wouldn't have a stepmom. I was just wondering what you had planned for Secretary's Day. I know that Aaron would be so psyched if you took her out to lunch. A one on one lunch with Aaron? Yeah. She really looks up to you. And there's only so much we can do as her coworkers. Secretary's Day is really kind of a boss secretary thing. She's kind of a rube. It's my girlfriend you're talking about.
3: I don't know. There was some good stuff in there. Andy. More of Andy Bernard's crazy upbringing there. If it wasn't for secretaries, I wouldn't have a step.
0: Yes, that was a very good little <laughs> subtle joke there. Very funny.
3: So Aaron, of course, has gotten along with Michael, and they've portrayed her here that she's just so enamored with him as her boss. He can do no wrong. She's so excited to go out to lunch with him. Uh, she's got all these plans and things and, and everything set up. In fact, she actually takes a picture of him while he's in the middle of asking her out to lunch. So she can have that, uh, you know, immortalized forever. Uh, she has this big fantasy about a, a certain restaurant that she wants to go to, and Michael kind of poo it, but then, you know, again, Andy of guilt looks him into it uh so Uh he agrees and uh there they are then it's Michael as he says you know he's very uncomfortable he doesn't know what to do uh, doesn't know what to say she is a massive rube as uh (laughs) you know if even Michael Scott's calling you a rube you know you're having some problems
0: well there was a funny joke there in the car he wants to listen to this book on tape it's the novelization of the Movie precious based on the novel Push by Sapphire.
3: That's kind so of funny. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of a bookworm. <laughs> yeah,
0: the novelization was, of, the, of the movie based exactly. on the book, right?
3: That was a good line. And so, yeah, she wants to talk. And as I mentioned before, her topics of conversation are just off the wall, insane, just randomly crazy stuff. And Michael is just doing his best. He lets out this really big, long sigh. <sighs> while they're driving, so, you know, kudos to him. He's trying to do his best to give Aaron the day that she wants. And once they get to the restaurant, though, unfortunately, he just can't quite contain his uncomfortableness anymore.
5: I've been trying. I've been trying to keep it going. Aaron is just weird. How many pillows do you sleep on at night? So how are things going with Andy?
2: Tell me about him before I met him.
5: Well, let's see. Other than the fact that he dated Angela, I don't think he is a snappy dresser. What? I don't think he is the best dresser. It reminds me of Easter. Sorry, about Angela? Did you say he dated Angela? You didn't know that? Why wouldn't you tell me that? I don't know. Probably didn't want you to have a mental image of him having sex with somebody else. They were engaged, though.
2: Ah, they were engaged? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay.
5: Uh, oh. Well, oh. 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 what are you doing? What are you
2: doing? Uh, in the foster home, my hair was my room. Okay. Okay. You, uh, know
5: what? you know what? You know what? Everybody's looking oh. at you right now. I love what she's having. <laughs>
3: you know, actually, it <laughs> sounds kind of funnier. <laughs> An audio than it actually was on the show. So, I don't know. Maybe there's something to be said for that.
0: It's a very disturbing visual image as opposed to a mental image. So, yeah. You know, the one thing I did like about this plot line is that we've seen time and time again on The Office Michael doing something really stupid and it ruins everything and it's completely contrived. Mm-hmm. But in this case, he spills the beans in a, way, in a way that is completely not his fault. She asks him in a situation a boss taking a secretary out for secretary's day that is not in any way contrived. Right. So it's actually a reasonably, and it's a reasonable part of the conversation for him to ask how things are going with Andy. So for once the <laughs> office did the right thing by introducing this plot line in a completely believable way. So
3: Right. And even though, as Aaron says,
0: <laughs>
3: you're, you're going home, Kevin, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, you're right, and that's the thing. Even though Michael does, as usual, spill the beans, as you said. Well, for one thing, as he tells Andy, it's it's ridiculous for you to expect me to ever keep a secret, uh, <laughs> as he says, So, But there's that. But then, you know, Aaron uh, uh, forgives him. He's like, you know what? Well, it's not your fault. I mean, yeah, he should have told me. It's not like right. you're spoiling it. It's something that he should have said. Uh, it's something that he should have done, Andy should have done. So it is not Michael's fault. And that's, again kind of one of the different twists to this episode, that Michael really isn't the you know
0: the moron. He isn't the dummy
3: here. There are a lot of other dummies
0: <laughs>
3: underneath him, as far as that goes.
0: Maybe that's why Carell directed this episode, because he didn't want to be looking like a dummy.
3: <laughs> Wanted to look like a little wise guy in the office, I guess. Okay, well, and so that's the thing. Obviously, that makes Angela Aaron's nemesis. Uh, she comes back to the office. She is just Upset and grumpy and really short when Andy tries to come up and talk to her. Uh, She tells Oscar to, like, you know, not get his pants in a wad or whatever when he can't get Uh the facts to go through. So
0: Andy has that pain look on his face. Exactly. He doesn't like (laughs) drama. (laughs) Remember that.
3: Yeah, now it's time for the party to start. And there's some, again, this funny bit of business with Michael actually here where. Andy is there, and he's like, oh, let's give a big round of applause to Miss Angela Martin for putting this together. (laughs) And Michael, no, no, she's not that great. Oh, I'm saying the opposite of that. She is great. No, 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 just (laughs) shut up. Stop talking. (laughs) So that was, again, some great uh, little Michael lines there. Um, Unfortunately, it doesn't quite play out the way that Andy had hoped. So
4: I wrote a little ditty, that I would like to play for all of you right now it's a little tune called secretary of love oh a two, a one, two three.
2: i know about angela i know that you were engaged to her and that you were sleeping with her michael told me
4: oh god uh Aaron, can we talk about this in private i don't have
2: to be private is it true or is it not yes who else did you sleep with? Did you sleep with Phyllis or, or no. Kelly or Pam? Maybe all together? No. no, no, never. Did everyone know? Was I the only one who didn't know?
6: Yeah, pretty, mu- pretty
2: much. Oh. Who are you? I don't know you.
6: I should probably get involved in this, but I think my energy is better spent on the cookie monster issue. <laughs>
3: I just had to throw that in there. We'll get to that plot line in a second. but
0: uh, That was a funny line, though.
3: Yeah, I guess you could say maybe there's a reason why Gabe's the bad guy, that he's not really getting involved in the actual serious issue. He's got his cookie monster thing to deal with. Uh, but still, he has a good line. And, you know, it's very uncomfortable, of course. She flings the big piece of cake in Annie's face. and uh, And so leading up to more drama, then you could shake a stick at.
0: Well the one thing I did like about this scene was it was obvious they had the cake, everyone's got the cake in their hands. We know what what's gonna happen, right? <laughs> and and it was very well done with her being very stone silent throughout that whole Angela exchange. But we all expected, I think, to you know, hear a few bars of this yeah. song because, you know, at Helms you expect him to just, you know, sing something funny. And the fact that, you know, one, a two, three, and then bam the cake, I thought that was pretty well done. And, uh, you know, I did like that part of this. this episode. Wow,
3: really? I, I I felt short-changed, man. It, the, hearing Ed Helms, you know, doing the little songs, sometimes it's a bit forced. We've talked about that before in the earlier seasons, but here would be a perfect opportunity for a little song. And I, I don't know, I, I feel kind of short-changed.
0: I liked how they played with our expectations and kind of twisted it a little bit.
3: Well, fair so. enough. As you alluded to before, um, here we're coming up on probably what you said the best scene of this plot line. Um Angela is also just as upset apparently as Aaron is. It was kinda of funny, I guess we've never really kind of gotten this side of her before where she apparently is just super <laughs> embarrassed or uh, disgusted by her relationship with Andy. I don't know. I I, I can't believe that they almost got that close to getting hitched. But uh, so Angela comes over for a face-to-face consultation with Aaron, and then Pam steps in to deliver some words of wisdom.
1: You embarrassed me earlier. Take it up with
3: the chief of police. Do you think
1: I want people remembering I had sensual relations with Andy? It's the kind of thing you wish you could have old. I want to throw up just thinking about it. I want to throw up just thinking about it. You are throwing up for the wrong reasons.
4: I don't think this fax is going through. <laughs> uh,
1: hey, you know, um, I was engaged before Jim. Really? Yeah, and he worked here, too. It was Andy, wasn't No, no, it wasn't Andy. It wasn't. It doesn't matter. It's not about who you've been with. It's about who you end up with. Sometimes the heart doesn't know what it wants until it finds what it wants. I hope you find what you're looking for. Thank you.
3: <laughs> so there's a couple of things aside from that line there where she says, it was Andy, wasn't it?
0: Yeah.
3: That was pretty good. Uh, so, I mean, it's some, like we said, it's some good stuff in there, Heartfelt speech. Uh, A good Pam line and then a clueless Aaron response, which caps it off. So it's just perfect, kind of all around. The little thing in there with Toby kind of being in the middle and is useless (laughs) and can't get the facts to go through.
0: Good little little reveal the way they shot him. Yeah, and sort of a little surprise. Speaking of not
3: seeing someone in a while, uh, I guess it's kind of nice to see him back. He added some more in the deleted scene, but. Um, It's been a while for uh, Paul Everstein. I'm not sure what he's been up to, but uh, good old Toby right in the middle where he doesn't belong. So I don't know. I mean, what is left here? Uh, Will Aaron take Pam's advice? Will she understand what happened? Will she forgive Andy? Well, it's unfortunately not quite that simple.
2: Trust is the most important thing to me. Is your name Andy Bernhard? What's your real name? Lionel Frankenstein?
4: Would you stop walking for one second? That's it. There's no other secrets, okay? Yeah, my chest is not naturally hairless and my parents pay my credit card bill. How long were you guys together? A year. You were together for a year. Yeah. But that's it. Now you know everything about me. I promise. And if I think of anything else...
1: I think I have to be on my own for
5: a little bit, like that girl Precious and Precious, based
1: on the novel Push by Sapphire. Okay. I didn't
5: see that movie. I mean,
3: obviously, that's uh, one of the things that Mindy Kaling's scripts are known for are those pop culture references and sort of the ridiculousness of the title of that movie. Uh, And that that was it. Was good, you know, several good jokes. So that was another good one there. This was a good capper. Lionel Frankenstein. I mean, it was kind of a funny little thing in there for some reason. You know, here's the thing I was going to ask, though, Kevin. I'm trying to decide whether they're actually just forgetting about this or whether this is actually going to be a plot point. But here we have this big speech where Andy says, No, there's no more secrets. I told you everything. I just kept Mm -hmm. thinking in my head. Dude, you punched a wall and you went to anger management. That is a massive secret. Are they just sweeping that under the rug, or do you think that's going to maybe come back?
0: It would have been nice to know whether for sure that had been mentioned or not. Some of the other secrets he was keeping weren't exactly the kind of same re- <laughs> reveal. Exactly. So, yeah, you kind of wonder if the fact that they didn't mention that explicitly makes you wonder if perhaps he's leaving that behind and it will come up again. That assumes that they get back together, which we will see. I don't know.
3: Yeah, I just... Because, I, I mean, I, I think, obviously, that is a huge part of Andy's character, although I feel like that they've just done their best to totally almost erase it.
0: It is a point that I think the fans still latch on to a lot more than the writers. I would agree with that.
3: All right, so there we are. They're left hanging. Will those crazy kids find their dump-fueled mojo again? I guess we'll... Have to wait and see. I'm I'm assuming something maybe in the season finale. Just one more little bit here, as we talked about. Michael comes out and saves the day.
5: Oh, you know what? I wouldn't worry about Angela. She's she doesn't hold a candle to you, Aaron. She's old enough to be your mom for one thing, and she's like three feet tall, (laughs) and she wears pioneer women clothing. <laughs> yes, and I don't think she's ever pooped. Oh. And Andy, you know, come on. Andy, butt looks big in those khakis. Oh, I like this butt. You said butt. You tricked me. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. Oh, no, you love. Oh, this this guy in my neighborhood, Tom Dysmore. Mm. This is him. Hey! <laughs>
4: Sometimes telling someone something is hard. Well, at least somebody made her happy on Secretary's Day.
3: So I don't know what to think about that, that last part with Andy there. Him, uh, again, sitting in his car, (laughs) spying on her through some uh, binoculars. Creepy stalker.
0: Can you say Scranton Strangler? (laughs) Uh
3: they would not dare do that, especially since they gave him the credits uh,
0: sequence this year.
3: So I don't know about you, Kevin, but this is sort of like, I, I noticed this, too, the second week in a row we have this massive Angela bashing.
0: Yes, in your point?
3: <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like, what has what poor Angela done this season to really deserve all of this? Uh, well who treatment. doesn't get
0: bashed? Who doesn't get bashed? I mean, every episode, it's a you know joke at Meredith's expense. The Cookie Monster against Kevin, it's you know he's very mean. So, you know, so what?
3: <laughs> I'll leave that poor little to, dwarf alone. Is she,
0: is she supposed to be a sympathetic character? <laughs>
3: well, she well she, she doesn't actually she even, do anything. She,
0: but she said that even when the, the making fun of Kevin was her favorite day or whatever it was. Well, right?
3: that's true, but he's put her through so much hassle over the years. I can't blame <laughs> her for that. All right. All right well, I feel like we've already kind of talked this over to death, but uh, let's get into the Kevin and Gabe plot line. So at the start of the cold open, as you said, Kevin, we have this little funny bit where everyone's gathered on Oscar's computer. They're watching this video that he's made where he's dubbed Kevin's voice over footage of Cookie Monster from Sesame Street. Um, And and it was painfully obvious to me that the lines that he recorded were not, like, taken from real life. They sounded really fakey and just like, okay, Brian Baumgartner, we need you to record some funny quips for the Cookie Monster footage. So we have a bunch of goofy little stuff about, hey, what's the difference between a chalupa and a chimichanga? I need you to get back to me. <laughs> I mean, all these little goofy sort of things. So they're watching it. They're laughing at it. Uh, Kevin, of course, though, does not find it very funny at all.
5: Wait, this isn't funny.
3: I don't talk like that.
5: Say, me cookies.
6: No, I won't say it. Why is that going clumped around accounting? Break it up, you click. It's Kevin
4: as Cookie Monster from Sesame Street. Was that the program where all those puppets live in the barrio? Mm-hmm. I love that show. This is Kevin. <laughs> this is Kevin. <laughs> Very, thank you. That is an amusing link. I'd like it sent to me, please. Yes. Me
5: too. Ask him, please. Yeah, totally. Yeah, me too. No, 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 no,
4: no. okay.
1: Thanks.
4: this is inappropriate.
1: This is my favorite day. Have a cookie, Kev.
4: Yeah, haha, ha, tray of cookies. I'm not falling for that. I brought those in. It's my birthday. Man, Daryl, I'm sorry. Happy birthday. <laughs> they're making fun of Cookie Monster. I get that. But in a strange way, it feels like they're making fun of me.
3: <laughs> so that was a good line. I mean, I almost feel like if they would have sort of just ended it um, after a certain point, it would have been funnier. If it would have gone in a certain direction, it would have been funnier. That was that was a pretty good line. The, um, the Daryl thing was kind of cold. I don't know.
0: But I I'd I love that Gerald thing and the Tramp <laughs> cookie was very very funny. He
3: psychs him out. I mean, and Kevin again, the nice guy. He doesn't want to hurt Daryl's feelings, and then they use that to turn it against him.
5: Absolutely. No,
3: not not fair, not fair. Uh, so and Dwight's line in there actually is one of my favorite. I think Dwight lines of all time. It really is. Is that the show where the puppets live in the barrio? <laughs>
0: Well, even the line before that, "break it up," you click was pretty funny too. So yeah, good, so good voice stuff for this episode.
3: Good, uh, yeah, he's actually uh, pretty, pretty humorous uh, and, and in character. Now, this is where the thing starts to get murky because, as we just saw, they're making fun of me. Uh, Kevin is disturbed. He's upset. He doesn't want it to continue, and he goes to Gabe to try to get some satisfaction. Now, I guess we could argue. Why would he go to Gabe? All right, it's it, it, other than the dictates of the plot. I mean, this seems like a Toby thing that Toby should be involved in um, on Kevin's side rather than on Jim and Pam's side. Uh, but there you go. He gives. He goes to. He goes to Gabe. Gabe picks up the ball and runs with it, looking for a chance to flex his authoritative muscles.
6: The beginning here has been a little bit of a fiasco. Either they don't respect me, or they respect me too much. And some of them still think that I'm the IT guy. This Cookie Monster thing is an opportunity to show people that I'm an authority figure. Hello, everyone. If I might have a moment of your time, it's come to my attention that people have been watching and laughing at a hurtful parody video. It is now forbidden to talk, joke about, or email this around. Yeah. And that's straight from corporate, so. Not to be scary, but yeah, I would listen to me, and that's all. Ciao.
3: So his little affectation there that comes back up later on, and saying ciao, uh, uh-huh. when he leaves, uh, I guess maybe that's supposed to make us think he's a douchey guy because he says ciao. I, it's still from the, you know, like I said, from the get-go here, he seems more sympathetic to me than the other people in the office. So it's kind of why that didn't didn't necessarily work there, trying to get Kevin a little little up. Uh, Peace and trying to get himself a little respect. So, well, eh.
0: I, I I guess the issue is that he's doing it for the wrong reasons. He's doing the right thing to try to help Kevin, but he's really not trying to help Kevin. He's really just trying to help himself. So, in that respect, he is not a sympathetic figure. You're right. He's a lot like the way Michael sometimes acts. It's all about him, not about what he's really trying to do or trying to do the right thing. But you're right. He has a very he's a very weird guy. Very very weird. So it's it's kind of funny how it turns out at the end because everyone sort of realizes he's got these little weird speaking mannerisms and you hear it a lot earlier here in the episode.
3: Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna say it again that I know that they're gonna do this, Kevin. I know that in the season finale they're gonna say that Gabe is the Scranton Strangler. I just know. I just I have this very bad feeling that they're gonna go down that road, but I guess we'll have to wait. That's-
0: that's a dark place even for the office, though, don't of you think?
3: Yeah, I agree, but, I mean, they keep bringing it up, so
4: well, it's got to go well, somewhere. We'll maybe,
0: well, maybe we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks when we talk about Dwight's detective work. Maybe <laughs> that's where the plot line's coming from.
4: Uh, right. All right, well,
3: well so Gabe is on a mission. He lays down the law. You know, I thought that the first day he came in that he blocked all those time waster sites, but apparently uh, maybe oh, he right. let up uh, Michael talked him into it or something or whatever. This is the scene, though, where I think we lose really, like I said, I lose all sympathy for Jim and Pam, especially because Kevin's sitting right there. They're eating the cake. And they're waiting for the errand party to start and uh, mercilessly mocking him.
5: My name
2: is Kevin, I'm on accountant. <laughs> you see, I did the voice It's
5: yeah, a little derivative
2: The parody is always derivative
4: uh, It's not organic, do you know
5: what I mean?
2: Jim does a really good
1: one, do yours
4: Oh guys, no, I really refuse to participate Michael, can I have an advance on my paycheck Because a Mrs. Field cookie just opened up at the mall
6: <laughs> Guys, when we leave the parodies to the pros at TV
4: Sorry Gabe, but that show hasn't been on in many cookies Okay. (laughs) Aaron, you know, if I had been engaged to anybody before you, I would have told you.
5: Thanks. Hey, Aaron, you
1: look delicious. I mean, beautiful. Okay.
6: Okay. There. I heard that. So, I'm sorry, Pam, but that's it. I'm going to have to suspend you without pay for two days. Whoa.
1: What? What do you mean, suspend me?
6: I think you need to go a little easy. You can't just suspend someone from work. Yeah, you're right. You know what? Um, you're suspended too, Jim. <laughs> oh. Okay. Hi. You too, Dwight. Wait, what? I was just slow clapping your no-nonsense decision-making. I don't want to hear it.
4: Suspend it. C is for suspension. Jim.
3: Now we were talking to before about how you thought that the Jim and Pam thing was deserved and then him going over the line with Dwight there. Uh, I got to say, like you know, as a teacher, I've been in that situation many a time, Kevin, when you get two mm-hmm. smart asses in class and you're throwing people out, you know, get out of here, go to the office, and then somebody else has to make some little comment or something and you're
4: just like, ah, you're out of here too.
3: So I don't know, I can sympathize maybe a little bit more. With uh, with the low class decision enough. there, but yeah, that and that's the thing. I mean, are we supposed to feel like in that scene that wow, he's really overstepping his bounds? Um, I, I don't know. I don't think
0: so. I don't think he's overstepping his bounds. She, he, he gave her, he gave everyone in the office a, a a warning. He gave them a second warning, and here it comes. Now, too bad he didn't read the fine print on his authority. But other than that, I don't have any problem with it. Now, as an English teacher, do you have a problem with Kevin's spelling skills? <laughs> C is for suspension. Uh, well, yeah,
3: C is for suspension. That's good enough for me. Kevin, that's, that's all I got to say. <laughs> Kevin is Kevin. I mean, that's the thing. He's, he's he's a dummy. He's a moron. He's a simple, you know, the simple giant. <laughs> uh, and that's maybe another reason why this kind of was t- distasteful to me is that it just it feels like the cool kid's picking on, the kid with the headgear, you know, it's just, right. so, it's too easy. It's too easy
5: mm-hmm. when they're
3: fighting against Dwight or something, you know, he can fight back, but you, you just feel like Kevin, you, it's not a fair fight. Uh, so there you go. He lays down the law. You're going home. You're going home. Uh, but of course it doesn't stand. We uh, see him talking to someone at the corporate office, telling him, no, he can't do that. Uh, we see Toby calling Pam, saying, "No, he can't do that." So Jim and Pam then have this smugness; they know that he can't do anything. He comes back, and I guess, like I said before, you could argue that well, Gabe could have, if he would have been honest and just said, "Look, I'm just trying to make it. You know, you're doing something that's wrong. You know it's wrong. I step my overstep my bounds. I can't punish you, but you know, I think it's really a bad thing or something. Maybe we would have been more sympathetic." But I guess he tries to bluff it out, and so Jim and Pam, uh, you know, they bluff him right back. Hey, everyone.
6: Quite an afternoon, huh?
3: Cathartic in a way.
6: I'm glad that I got to share it with you. It makes you think about what's really important. It's not about showing you're in charge or flexing some sort of authority. It's about forgiveness. And, yes, I'm talking about you three and this desk clump right here. I think that if you were to apologize to me, then... I would revoke your suspension.
1: I don't think an apology is enough. I really think the only way for me to learn my lesson is to take my suspension.
6: And I gotta take this bad attitude, and I gotta go home, and I gotta
4: adjust it. And I hope the suspension does that. Yeah. Prideful idiots. Watch how it's done. Gabriel, I apologize. Great. I kneel before you.
6: Guys, I would even take a contrite look as an apologist.
4: Humbly taking your hand, upon which I kiss, to show my contrition.
3: Guys, uh, there is human. And what we can't see there at the end is that he's following them outside into the parking lot. They get into their car, and they speed off while he impotently stands by. Do we have, is this his comeuppance, apparently, that he, you know, little Jim and Pam, they sure showed him. He can't dare to tell them to stop picking on Kevin.
0: <laughs> it might have been his cup up if certain things hadn't transpired later in the episode. So I just feel like he's digging a hole and he just can't stop.
3: I know, but that's what I mean. I feel like that we should at this point we should be like, Yes, Jim and Pam, they pulled one over on the man
0: or something You're right. like
3: that. But it, I don't it's, feel it's like a, it's it's a,
0: it's a pyrrhic a victory for Jim and Pam on this.
3: Especially since – and, you know, we were talking about this too last week. Uh, You remember that was the whole point of this whole season, the no-cap sales commission that they didn't want to go home, that they didn't want to quit selling, that they were all so motivated. Now all of a sudden Jim and Pam, it's like it's season three or something again, and they just want to get out of the office. Uh,
0: Well – I guess it's a little bit believable in this instance with Pam just coming back from maternity leave. She wants to be with her daughter in that whole situation. That's a little believable. And if you notice, Jim and Pam had a pretty good-looking new car there, so maybe things are going pretty good. That's the same one they they had when Michael drove
3: to the hospital.
0: Well, they can coast a little bit. I guess is all <laughs> I'm saying. So, but that being said, you're right. They they did make a big deal about that, and it does seem a little at, at odds with the behavior this week.
3: And mm-hmm. it also it also contrasts with Happy Hour last week when we had Pam going nuts to get out of the house to go out to the bar. Um, uh-huh. So it's kind of yeah, not not a lot of stuff lining up here. But I guess you can be of two minds. But so they're gone. All right, they left. And all this stuff really is for Gabe to come back and try to pick up the pieces, try to regain uh, his dignity with the rest of the office staff, which, again, does not go over quite as he would have expected.
6: Can I buy everyone coffees?
5: Or cookies? Oh, What was that? that
4: was Are you kidding me? Yeah. So was that an impression? That was, all right. Oh, gosh. Oh. Guys. oh. I, I'm now going to apologize for the mess that we're in uh, because corporate told me to. <laughs> I, I just want you to know I laugh like a crazy person.
6: Okay, well, you gotta be to, you got to be able to laugh at you, yeah. One of the gang. Yeah. Um, I have to go back to the zoo to the stick insect exhibit.
4: Ciao. Right? Ciao. I say ciao because I'm fancy
6: from Tallahassee. <laughs> wow. why, don't we, why don't we say ciao to The Impression? Okay. Ciao.
5: Ciao. 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 ciao.
6: ciao.
3: Stick insect. Oh
6: ciao.
5: Ciao.
3: ciao. I don't know, man. I just listened to that clip. I didn't even really crack a smile at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, Matt, let's just say ciao to Secretary's Day, won't we? And maybe say buongiorno to the believe it seems.
3: Uh, sounds about right. Let's get that going here.
1: Nice to see you again, Dwight.
4: Hello, Pam. I'd like to believe that you used your maternity leave wisely, nursing your infants, exposing it to the natural world, but I suspect you squandered it on your hobby of watercolor painting.
1: I did a little painting, yes.
4: Yeah. Um, I think you should only be able to paint the president, or in a perfect world, the Kaiser.
1: Um, Who left cupcakes on my desk for six weeks? There's fruit flies everywhere. Wow. Okay. Oh! My desk is filled with maggots.
4: Those are mine. I was breeding them for personal use, but I had nothing to do with fruit flies. Oh, what? Oh, you have one baby and it's so beautiful, and a fly has a thousand maggot babies and it's suddenly disgusting? (laughs) Hello? Makes no sense. I was just wondering what you had planned for Secretary's Day.
5: Oh, I'm going to give Aaron
4: $15. Why?
5: Because that's what I always used to do with Pam. See, Pam... Decided that she would rather have the cash value of her half of lunch were I to take her out. So, she promises every year to take that money, go to Cooper's, and buy herself a Sunday.
1: Yeah, I can't believe that worked. Sunday, That was awesome.
2: I have been looking forward to one-on-one time with Michael so much. This is my first real job, and if I had to try to think of someone I admire more than he... I would draw a blank, because I don't admire anyone as much as I admire Michael Scott. He's even better than Sully Sullenberger, because if Michael had been the captain and he was landing the plane in that river, he would have said something funny to make us all feel better. We're landing in the water. There she blows. But I can't do it as good as Michael, but that's the reason I'm not the boss. I'm the secretary, and today is my day. So, thank you, Michael. I will enjoy a nice lunch with you and you alone. I'm really excited, sorry. Hey!
5: Kiddo, how ya, how you holding up? Not great, Ryan. Oh, Not great. The odds are always best for a three-way if one of the parties is extremely emotional or impulsive. A lot of people in your situation would have just run out to a bar and hooked up with the first guy who bought him a drink, you know? I'm not going to do that. Exactly. Where is the tenderness? Where is the love in some random hookup with some person that you're never going to see again? I love you. Kelly loves you. We both love you. And we want to make you happy in every... Possible way. You guys are such good friends. I love how fragile you are.
2: It's beautiful. I am so sorry. This is the worst. I'm um, so, you know what? You should just come over tonight. We will get some vodka, yeah. pour it in a watermelon, yeah. slice it up, we'll party, forget about all this crap at work, take crazy photos in our camera phones. It'll be so fun, you gotta come. And I we love you though, Aaron. Thank
5: you. Don't so you? much oh.
2: I can't tonight.
4: I can't tonight either, I have something. This crazy. I know, all I did was clap. I don't think he's trying to prove something. Something.
5: Yeah, that's a bummer. It, it's like that 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 car wash guy. I was mean to me. I don't know if I mentioned it.
1: Toby, we just need to find out if Gabe can suspend us or not.
5: Oh, yeah' 'cause I'm HR. Why else would we be here? <laughs> um, yeah, I'll I'll look into it. And you'd like me to do that now? Can I just yeah. finish my bit? Never, never mind. I'll. I'll call you.
1: With
3: uh, poor Flanderson.
0: <laughs> yeah, not a lot of the, not a lot to grasp in that scene, was there? <laughs> even the, the three way stuff was maybe the most interesting, but it kind of left a really poor mental image in my head. even yeah. you know, worse than than hair room there.
3: That was very douchey. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, that's just uh, crazy. A uh, good cut, very good cut. Uh, The Flutterson stuff, you know, I I kind of miss seeing him in there. That would have been kind of nice to see that. Uh, And I actually like some of the stuff that Aaron said. The whole thing about he's better than Sully Sullenberg.
0: Michael Uh. Scott would say something (laughs) funny like that, but, yeah, it was a long way to go for that line.
3: Yeah, that that is correct. All right, well, there are your deleted scenes for this week. Uh, Now, before we get into the news, Kevin, let's take a brief minute here to talk about our – sponsors, um, you know, one of the things, we've, we've had a long association with uh, Audible.com 7 with uh, advertising on our podcast. Um, now, I don't know if you're, are, are you a big audiobook listener?
0: I, uh, You know, honestly, I don't read a lot of audiobooks, but I have bought a book or two from the Audible. It's certainly a good service.
3: <laughs> well, I agree. Obviously, like I said, I mean, we, uh, they're part of our family here of advertisers, and I've also listened to the occasional audiobook. Uh, Unfortunately, my commute lately is only a few minutes, so I don't have a lot of time that I used to have to listen to books, but I just wanted to mention this because, you know, you can, through Audible, you know, and through That's What She Said, you get a free 14-day trial to the service. Um, You know, it's Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, digital versions of tens of thousands, I think 75,000 now different audiobooks books to uh, download your computer or your iPod or MP3 player. You know, you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just like now, we're having such an erratic schedule with our That's What She Said releases. Why not get yourself an audio book to help pass those boring hours at work? Um, you know, you can get a free trial, as I said, a free download credit. When you sign up today, you can go to audiblepodcast.com slash she said. Uh, it's audible podcast.com slash she said. Now, uh, I just, I wanted to bring this up, Kevin, because I, I, I almost can't believe this happened to me. I think it's kind of funny. Uh, I've been a huge, huge fan of Leo Laporte, uh, for quite a long time. I, I, first found him on the screensavers TV show, God, at least 10 plus years ago, I think, uh, back when it was actually like an hour and a half long. I don't know if you remember that, uh, On Tech TV, I used to watch it, and uh, of course now I I listen to him every week on the This Week in Tech podcast, and he is also a very big promoter of Audible.com, and he always kind of talks about it. Every show talks about the books that he's reading, and he keeps saying, I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading more, I'm reading books, I'm reading and reading. Well, Uh I just... Like I said, I'm an English teacher, of course, and and I've studied developmental psychology and kind of the the way, you know, reading a book is actually an active process while listening to something is a passive process. So I'm not a huge stickler for any of this kind of stuff. But I just, you know, kind of whimsically, about a week or so ago, I posted up a tweet on my personal account that said, uh, quote, this merits more discussion, but... Sorry, Leo Laporte, listening to audible.com is not reading. Different brain processes, smiley face. Right. Yes. All right. So I smiley posted face. this.
0: Probably the key point there.
3: I just threw that out there um, into the ether. And uh, and then lo and behold, this, I was listening to uh, This Week in Tech and, uh, well, uh, <laughs> let me just play the clip here.
4: By By doing this... You suddenly find time, and I've listened I've listened to me, I, at least two books a month. Somebody said, you can't call it reading, Leo, because the brain apprehends the information in a different form. Well, every word in the book's there. I don't know if it's reading or not, but, boy, you sure get the words in there.
3: <laughs> so there you go, Kevin. I was called out, called out by Leo Laporte in front of his millions of Quit listeners there, and I just thought I would share that with uh, with our audience. The closest I've ever come, uh, and, and it's kind of sad that the really the only interaction I've ever had with this guy that I really admire is him sort of slamming me on, uh, on yeah, his famous podcast.
0: You're indirectly famous, Matt. Congratulations. <laughs> well, I, I did meet I did meet Leo Laporte at the podcast expo a couple of years ago, and he is a really nice guy, and I do love his shows so.
3: Congratulations
0: ah. on your brush with fame, Matt.
3: <laughs> yeah, who doesn't dream of being mocked by their their idols? Well, let's get into our other sponsor. Kevin, you want to go ahead and take that?
0: All right. We're also sponsored this week by Netflix. You can sign up today for your two-week free trial to the Netflix service, where you can rent DVDs by mail or watch instant streaming movies and TV shows directly from your computer, your Xbox 360, your Wii, your iPad. Sony, PlayStation, whatever, all kinds of services. Uh, if you get the DVDs, you can keep each movie as long as you want with no late fees ever, and you get free shipping both ways. Great way to find some obscure DVD titles to check out. And you, like I said, it's a two-week free trial, and you could can cancel at any time. And if you go to netflix.com slash TWSS, you can sign up for your free two-week free trial. Yep. That's netflix.com slash TWSS.
3: And I did have somebody in the chat room last week ask me, um, do you still get credit if we join and quit immediately? And Yes, we do. So <laughs> use the service. Don't use the service. Either way, I mean, it helps us out. Obviously, I really like the streaming service. I'm not as big of a user of the disk, physical disk. Trading, But the, uh, the streaming stuff is great. I'm still going through all 12 seasons of King of the Hill uh, during my off hours. And Kevin, I have a streaming pick this week. Your favorite movie from last year, Obsessed, starring Ch- Obsessed. Charles Minor.
5: <laughs>
3: Idris Elba uh, is now on Instant Watch, so you can instantly stream that bad boy right into your home
5: uh any messages yeah just a fax oh and this is from corporate how I many know, times have I... I told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate you have oh, a waste paper basket did we get
1: a fax this <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah the one
5: why i didn't uh want to get it
1: you put it in the garbage cabinet with a special filing cabinet
5: yeah uh that was a joke
3: all right, Kevin, well, this is some big news, and it's been out there for quite a while, but uh, let's talk about this. Steve Carell definitely leaving the office. Our friends over at Office Tally posted a clip from a BBC interview during the Date Night promotional tour where Steve Carell says he is contracted for one more season of The Office, which he believes will be his last. Interviewer, how long does your contract run? Carell. Contract through next season, interviewer. And will you say after that, Carell, I don't think so. I think that will probably be my last year. Well, Kevin, we had a little bit of a discussion on the blog page about this since the other principal cast members are, in fact, contracted through an eighth season. So there technically would be an additional one season after Steve Carell has left the office. We've kind of hashed it out before. We've talked about what might happen before. I know you're a big proponent of the Todd Packer theory of Boston. Yep. Um. Do you want the show to continue without Steve Carell? Let me just throw that out there.
0: You know, that's a really interesting question because in one respect, right, it'd be like losing Kramer or George off of Seinfeld or even Jerry, off of Seinfeld, if you want to take that. He is the central character. But at the same time, I could see him leaving, and I could see somebody else in the the office there, and I think that it might give the show enough sort of fresh blood and energy that it might be worth continuing the show afterwards, because, you know, how many times can you see Michael do something stupid before it's reminiscent of something else? So... I'm sort of on the fence on that. And I think if the show, the people running the show uh, want to do something and they think that it can provide some interesting different ways of uh, mocking the office life, maybe it would be worth it. Yeah. I certainly don't think, unless the ratings just completely crumble next season, there's no way in hell NBC is going to drop it because it's still one of the most highly rated shows on the network, especially in the younger demographics. So if they've got Krasinski and and Rain Wilson and everybody else locked up, you know they're going to have the season.
3: Well, you can say that, and I guess that makes sense. I'm really in the camp that if Steve Carell's not there, The Office is not there. You know, I'm sorry. It would be exactly like having Seinfeld without Jerry Seinfeld on the show. And you can say, okay, well, yeah, the, the funniest people are there. The wacky characters are still there. It's still almost the same, you know. Let's have Banya come in as the new Jerry or something. And maybe that can work. But, I mean, it's an ensemble comedy. It's Steve Carell's show. And really, it is Steve Carell's show. It's always been his show. I think they should just exit gracefully. I mean, really, after seven seasons, do we really need eight seasons of The Office? I almost feel like this season, you know, one more season to wrap everything up, end up the documentary, have everyone kind of find their happiness... You know, and and then go out on the top. Go out out while you still have your dignity, I say. You know, they could find someone else. And we talked about this before. You know, Todd Packer, the way he is now, he's too ridiculous. He could never be a boss. They could maybe change his character a little bit, tone him down or something. Um, They could maybe do like, uh, as they did in the British version, and have Dwight uh, step in as being the boss at the very end of the show. Um I don't know how that would go. I mean, it seems like we've already played that out. Obviously, Jim, we've seen him as the boss, and that's just useless. Right. <laughs> he's uh, he's terrible. Maybe they could bring in someone new, totally new, or maybe here's still my recommendation, Kevin. Um, I don't know if you do you watch House on Fox?
0: I do not watch House.
3: Well, I'm not. I don't really watch House either. But there's an actor on the show named Peter Jacobson, and if you do a Google image search for this guy, he's almost he looks sort of like Steve Carell's. Long lost twin, <laughs> a little mm-hmm. less hair. Maybe they could do a bait and switch, like a fake Darren, you know, like from Bewitched, the second uh-huh. Darren or something. <laughs> they could just play it off like, oh, it's still Michael Scott and uh, nothing has changed. So I don't know, <laughs> but I would, I know, just seriously, I would, I would rather the show just kind of go out gracefully than uh, than to limp along without their central character.
0: Well, I would say that if they make a decision that they're not going to continue after this, and I don't think this is any sort of negotiation employed by Carell, because his movie career is big enough where he can step away, and I think you know, he's not trying to jerk them around to you know, yeah. oh, pay me, pay me, pay me. But if they do make a decision to make this the upcoming seventh season, the last season, it would be nice if they could know that ahead of time and really plan for it, kind of right. like the way the people from Lost did it, knowing where the end was in sight. So... You know, I think the summer is going to be real interesting in terms of what uh, comes down from the publicity machine and everything else. So, All right, we will see. Well, if news of Steve Carell leaving the office leaves leave you depressed, you might want to bide your time with the new Office Monopoly edition. Yes, this is the first and only game that combines a classic risk-taking, deal-making Monopoly game with the popular television show, allowing fans of this comedy to vie for control of their famous and favorite office locations, and if you go to Office Telly, they have some more details. But uh, you got the custom board with 22 top locations from the office. Uh, traditional Monopoly gameplay, including a 60-minute a 60-minute speed play option. And this was the the big deal. They were polling people on what tokens the players would use in the game, and here's the list: at Princess Unicorn, a Dwight bobblehead, the Best Boss mug, the Bacon Grill. A beat and Pam's candy dish. Nah. So if you want, it, if you love the Monopoly and you love the Office, you might love the Office Monopoly Edition.
3: <laughs> what? Uh, so if you've seen, did they show pictures of the board?
0: The uh, yeah, Office Town has got a very small image. I think. I'm just so wondering Mifflin, what the Dunder Mifflin corporate is the Boardwalk location in the Scranton branches Park Place.
3: Okay, so uh, as far as locations, I mean, are they talking about? Just stuff like Coopers or something? or think, Yeah, exactly. Okay. Coopers
0: is in one group, and the other tenants of the office park are in one group, that sort of thing. So, All yeah. right, so Vance Refrigeration,
3: et cetera. Okay. Right. Um, I, I actually, I, I'm going to go on a record as saying I'm 38 years old, and I hate Monopoly. I've never liked Monopoly in my entire life. Uh, I, I don't know. So you could have this, if you like this game, though, there you go. You could have it right alongside your office clue. Uh, So, office board game night. Well, if you can't get enough of our brilliant insights, such as me chastising Leo Laporte, you can follow Kevin and me on Twitter, and that is twitter.com slash summermatt and twitter.com slash kevincrossman. Those are personal accounts, not That's What She Said feeds, uh, but you can go ahead and follow us if you're so inclined. If you want just the That's What She Said announcement Twitter feed, you can go to twitter.com slash podcast.
0: That's right. Next new episode of the time of this recording is The Chump, May thirteenth, two 2010. Michael is surprisingly cheerful after learning some bad news about Donna. The new parents, Jim and Pam, have trouble staying awake in the office. Meanwhile, Angela takes matters into her own hands when Dwight refuses to honor their prenatal contract.
3: Well, that just leaves me wondering what that means. So I'm curious to see into her own hands, strangler reference.
0: (laughs) Uh, I think there's another thing that she could do with her hands that might...
3: Oh, that's what she said, as they say.
5: There are certain things a boss does not share with his employees. His salary, his bed, and I am not going to tell them that I'll be reading their emails. I got to erase a lot of stuff. Just so you know, if you have any sensitive emails, they need to be deleted immediately. I know.
4: A lot of stuff.
3: All right, so feedback on Secretary's Day. Unfortunately, Kevin, no feedback, no comments at all on the blog post about our podcast of Happy Hour. I'm a little sad, a little upset, a little disappointed. You guys are the reason why we do this show. Come on. Need to hear back from you.
0: (laughs) Maybe they're sad and disappointed by how long it took for that episode to come out.
3: Well, I guess that could be true, but uh, and and I'm not saying this to blackmail you. But if I don't get 50 letters on this next podcast, we're quitting. (laughs) All right, I'm just throwing that out there, so don't don't feel bad. But uh, let's go right into some feedback about Secretary's Day. Um, Our friends at the Where Icarus Flies podcast said I thought that Secretary's Day was the weakest episode of the season. I think they wish they could have a do-over.
0: Yeah, and this is where the feedback is going to be heading this episode. Muck Mallard wrote, As someone who works extensively with foster children in a therapeutic capacity, I found Erin's portrayal of foster child awkwardness to be a caricaturish and extremely uncomfortable, to say the least. I have never seen anyone over the age of eight go into a public tantrum as she did. I guess this is supposed to be part of her annoyingly arrested development. I found the Cookie Monster plot to be far more enjoyable, but do we really need another ineffectual corporate link? Isn't one Toby enough? However, tying the two storylines together did uh, give us some good Jim and Pam moments. The two of them continue to be the main reason I watch this show.
3: Well, Muck Mallard, a little more into Jim and Pam than I am right now. Apparently. Now, this person, (laughs) I'm not quite sure how they feel about Jim and Pam. Um, I Mm. hate Jim and Pam, wrote... (laughs) So, it seems Aaron is actually mentally disturbed, or am I missing a poor joke? I can understand being miffed over finding out what she did. Uh, It would naturally raise the question as to whether this person simply goes after every female in the office, which was true about Andy in Season 3, or if he's intent on having a serious relationship, but her retreating into her hair room that went over the line from funny to disturbing... In my opinion, they're pushing Aaron out of the realm of delightfully ditzy, too mentally disturbed, which I fail to see the humor in. All right, so, uh, yeah, I guess I'm kind of agreeing a little bit with that, maybe just a little too far on the craziness scale this episode.
0: Well, Kathy wrote in, I've been dreading this episode ever since Andy and Aaron started flirting. I hoped and prayed the writers wouldn't stoop to this tired, overused and thoroughly stupid plot device Yet always knew deep in my gut that they would. And they did. In the real world, people talk about stuff like this and deal with it. But in TV and movie land, it always has to involve some big explosion, a breakup, and then they will they, won't they to get back together mystery. Bleck. I'm sick of it. Besides, if nothing else, Andy and Aaron hardly rate in A plot. Their silly romance is a cute sideline, nothing more. The Sesame Street plot the Sesame street b plot didn't do anything for me either. What an unfunny, depressing downer of an episode.
3: Wow, man, I feel like we're <laughs> we're beating this thing over, Kevin. It's the, the dead horse is officially being beaten. At
0: uh-huh. this
3: point, we're uh, uh you know, I I as much as I kind of criticized it, I actually kind of warmed up a little bit to this uh still not one of my favorites by any kind of long shot, but uh eh, middle of the road. I got to say for me All right, well, Kim said Aaron's behavior in the restaurant was very real to me. So we have a little defense of the writing staff. I have a co-worker that reacts that way over the smallest things. People that aren't familiar with her have called the police. She had the longest tantrum over her favorite soda not being in the vending machine. It may not be real in your office, but it is in mine. I'm really sorry to hear that, Kim. I enjoyed the episode. (laughs) I wouldn't call it a classic.
0: Well, I guess it was taken from True Life Headlines in this case, right? <laughs> All right? Well, Emily wrote, I'm not lying when I say I did not laugh once at this episode. I hated Jim and Pam in this episode because they just seem like the cool kids te- teasing the fat kid. Seriously, those two need to grow up. But if I had to say one thing that I liked, it would be the character development of Gabe. I can't wait to see where that goes. I'm wow that's pretty bad when the when the character development it gave is your highlight, that's faint <laughs> praise indeed.
3: The character development where it goes, I'm I'm calling it right now. He's gonna be in the paddy wagon because he's gonna be the <laughs> scrat and strangler. Just watch. Alright. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and guys, really, uh this is these are the comments that we got. So representative of whether people liked him or not. That's what we got. So if you, you know if you liked that episode or if you didn't like the episode, you gotta come in there and make your voice heard all right last comment uh of the week and kevin you might have to explain this to me here i'm not quite sure i get what this means brandon said hindenburg bad all right I'm what thinking, is
0: that man, it was as bad as the hindenburg oh tur- pretty bad. okay
3: <laughs> oh the humanity
0: oh, humanity exactly
3: i got gotcha. you all right well i wouldn't quite go that far but uh <sighs> All right. Well, that's about going to do it for us and for this episode. Join us in a week or so for episode 94 where we talk about body language. Please send any comments or constructive compliments to Podcast at gmail.com and visit the show blog page at twsspodcast.com. Uh, remember, every Thursday we have new episodes. You can go to the That's What She Said webpage there and uh, click on the chat button and you can join uh, 15 or 20 other That's what she said, listeners, and chat live with me and Kevin and see what we think about the episode. Why wait a month for the podcast (laughs) when you can instantly find out? So uh, tune in on Thursday. Uh, Also, if you have a chance, please leave positive feedback on iTunes and help spread the word in any office-related forums. Every little bit helps. Music for the show was provided by Music Alley from Mavio. Check it out at musicalley.com and remember to head on over to NBC.com/slash the office during the week for deleted scenes, interviews, episode recaps, cast blogs, games, postcards, whatever other additional stuff. For Kevin Crossman, I am Matt Summer, and we are out of here.
4: Now, what starts with the letter
0: C? Cookie
4: starts with C Let's think of other things that start with C uh, uh, Who cares about other things? C is for cookie That's good enough for me Yeah, C is for cookie That's good enough for me C is for cookie That's good enough for me Oh, cookie, cookie, cookie starts with C Yeah Cookie, cookie, cookie starts with C
3: Kudos to you, sir. Uh, isn't it kind of sad? Not. It's been a while since I have watched Sesame Street, but haven't they made Cookie Monster like eating to eating vegetables and stuff now?
0: No, you've. Got I swear,
3: me. no, I'm I'm not kidding. I I swear that they they've changed his character over the last five ten years, so that he eats cookies only sometimes.
0: <laughs> oh my god. Gotta be kidding me.
3: Oh, uh, I wish I was. Let's go check that out. <laughs>